we could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Well, if I do have to ask you this before we get to the tape talk, did you see yeah. Bobby Wagner just obliterate that fan on the field? Dude went running out of the field with that pink smoke. What was he trying to do? Does anyone know. know what he was trying to do? No, but I credit the Manning cast for showing it because as I was talking to somebody who were watching the game last night. I get that you don't want to show a fan running on the field because you don't want to like promote, hey, keep doing this. Yes. But when that fan gets leveled by Bobby Wagner, yes. I feel like we get to see it. That should be enough of a deterrent. If, if, if you're watching and be like, I want to go get leveled by Bobby Wagner. Fine. Like, I don't know what to do for you. about it, too, is Bobby Wagner went down to the ground himself. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Well, maybe he was. It was like looking at Paul Calvisi, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Calvisi at, you know, some heavy metal music fest that we went to where he was hitting the ground when Pantera came out. Every time you mention Paul's name now, I'm just going to think of yesterday when he was talking about Baker Mayfield and you were just looking at him with this weird look on your face. And then you were like, you know, Paul, Baker Mayfield's more boring when you're talking about him. Yeah. That's how I'm always going to think of Paul. Now. Yeah, I know, Paul. He's not talking about Baker Mayfield, Paul. All right, uh, let's get the tape talk here, Wolf, and this is going to be the start of the second half on Sunday. So you remember Cardinals had that kind of weird sequence at the end of the first half that allowed Carolina to get a field goal. Panthers were up 10-3 to and the Panthers got the ball to start the second half. Yeah, you know what, honestly, give me a little something right here. A little theme. That's what I'm talking about right there. We all know how much we talked about the Cardinals not starting well. It has been a massive problem on both sides of the ball. And they've got to fix it, Basinonians. And yet, I will say the reason why they won the game against the Carolina Panthers is because of how they started the second half. Let's start with the defense because they really were the story of this game. The defense incrementally getting better and better and better since their disastrous six-quarter start to the season. It was first and ten. There was 11 personnel with some speed motion. 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, of course, three wide receivers. The Carolina Panthers had Baker Mayfield under center, and the Panthers started by running the tackle zone to the open end side. No tight end base and on They ran right behind their tackle to the open end side. It is their cradle play. The play that everything else revolves around for the Carolina Panthers. They started the second half with that play. J.J. Watt did a great job setting the edge. Zach Allen got double teamed to the ground. It happens to all of us, Zach. Don't worry about it. McCaffrey cut all the way back over center, and Buda Baker, you should have seen it on tape, comes down from the secondary like a storm coming down from the secondary, and he makes the tackle. Still, it's a gain of five. That is a great way to start the second half. If you're the Carolina Panthers, you gain five yards on your cradle play. Now, all of a sudden, there it is. It's second and five, and you've got 11 personnel once again on the field with motion. 
And the Panthers give the ball to McCaffrey again. Oh, a little Sicilian message. Running the ball between the tackles, aren't you? This is how the Carolina Panthers move the football. Christian McCaffrey running the ball and using play action off of it. And Isaiah Simmons comes down with the motion, the receiver, and blitzes off the edge. But the tight end turns out and blocks him, does his job. And suddenly there's Marcus Golden. He stemmed down because he knew Isaiah Simmons was coming down and blitzing and firing his gun from the outside. So Marcus Golden stems from the outside shoulder of the tackle down to a head-up position. And on the snap of the ball, he jumps inside. Jumps inside the offensive tackle just before the snap and attacks his inside shoulder. Bingo. We've got a winner, ladies and gentlemen. Marcus Golden beat their left tackle across his face and stuffed Christian McCaffrey in the backfield with Ben Neiman coming up. The unblocked Ben Neiman and making a play. No gain. That's a good second down play. And then, Luke, you had third and five. 11 personnel once again. One back, one tight end, three wide receiver. You motion to a trips formation to the right with a tight end to the right. A trips formation to the right with the tight end lined up on the tackle's hip. The Cardinals have six guys standing on the line playing blitz bail. You don't know if they're going to blitz or they're going to bail on the snap. On the snap of the ball, the Cardinals played a three-deep zone, and they brought five. Oh, man. But to see which five they brought. That was interesting. Dennis Gardak and Zayvon Collins bailed on the snap of the ball. And Byron Murphy and Isaiah Simmons fired from the edges. Rolled off from both corner slots. Rolled off. It's not a blitz, Basinonians. It's a classic Vance Joseph pressure package where he brought five. Zach Allen, who was standing head up over the center, put the arm underneath, attacking the A-gap to the left of Baker Mayfield and sacked Baker Mayfield before he could even set up. He turned to set up and look, and there was Zach Allen right in his face. Just a huge play by Zach Allen. Time to punt. So the great tackle by Buda Baker. The great physical play by Marcus Golden. And an awesome sack by Zach Allen is the reason why the Cardinals started the way that they did in that second half. A three and out, a punt by the Carolina Panthers, and guess what happened from that point forward? The Cardinals went down the field on a play, 89-yard drive that ended in a Zach Ertz touchdown. And suddenly you had a tie game. The Cardinals started that second half the way they need to start every half, whether it's the beginning of a game or coming out. They got to do it, and they got to get better going forward. We're going to see more of the same. You know, you would think, Wolf, when you look at how the games are starting slowly for the Cardinals, 
I mean, it's not just the offense, but isn't it kind of just the offense? When we talk about the Cardinals starting slowly, starting these games slowly, it's not like the other team is going out there. Set the Chiefs game aside for a second, and even set the Raiders game aside for a second. I was going to say, yes. Yeah, but I mean, since the defense has turned a corner in the second half of that Raiders game, we got to give them the benefit of the, of the doubt now because it's been two and a half games and the defense has played pretty well. The slow start is that the Cardinals can't score in the first quarter. So yeah, what you're you know, saying right there, maybe the defense can trigger the offense. Right. Um, although I will say the Rams, I think the Rams went down the field on their first possession and got points well, out of because it. Because of the right? blocked uh, punt, though, right? Isn't that how they, wasn't it the Cardinals came out, went three and out, yeah, and blocked punt? right. No, you're right about that. But then they foul that up as well. Uh, I, I don't yeah, know. They always Once do. Again, yeah, you're you right. Know what? It just honestly, I look, um, they need to do this in all three phases, offensively, defensively, and in transition. They got to be ready to come out and ball out and start fast. And that means you talk about it. And I love the fact that Kyler Murray actually spoke on this, and we will actually play some of those cuts a little bit later. All right, we come back. We are done with the first quarter of the NFL season. We're going to take you around week four rapid fire style next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, week four is done, Wolf. Let's go around the National Football League and kind of get everybody caught up on what has been going on. We'll go rapid-fire style in case you were uh, zeroed in on the Cardinals or maybe one or two other games on Sunday. Wolf, let's start in Pittsburgh where the Steelers made their much-anticipated quarterback switch to Kenny Pickett and then lost to the uh, the Jets. Here's Mike Tomlin. Disappointed, um, but, you know, what transpired is not anything mystical, and that's what we talked about as a collective in there. Um, no disrespect to the Jets, man. They made plays and won the football game, but it's not about who we play. Um, it's not about rabbit's foots and so forth. Um, we we got to play better. We got to put them in better position. Yeah, you know, it's a tough situation right now. Um, obviously, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty well in regard to um, their prospects and where they're going and how they're playing because of my older brother, Craig. And I will tell you right now that this could be the first year that Mike Tomlin does not have a winning record. Kenny Pickett, yeah, that's that's definitely It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett is, I'm just looking this up too, 10 to 1 to win Rookie of the Year. He's the only quarterback, he's the only rookie quarterback that's going to be playing now. Typically, it's I think he's fifth on the list behind four receivers or three receivers and a running back, Damian Pearson in uh, Houston. But that's that's interesting. Now, I mean, it, I would assume this is his team going forward. I don't know why you would keep going back to Trubisky. Why, why would anybody think that Kenny Pickett was going to be the rookie of the year? Just because ten to one? Well, because they always uh, always tend to give it to a quarterback, or at least they start quarterback, right? And if there's not a good quarterback, you move on to running back or receiver. Also, I like how you said ten to one. Like you thought those odds were good or bad. You don't even know what that means. All right. Uh, on to London, where uh, they got to see a lot of kicking. Wolf, that's what the uh, the British football fans got to see early on Sunday morning. Vikings get five field goals. They beat the Saints 28-25. to Minnesota is somehow 3-1. and one. Here's Kirk Cousins. As far as the game itself, you know, I, I, we don't want to kick five field goals. Uh, we want to score touchdowns, and I think that uh, more success in the red zone um, would have enabled us to, you know, pull away a little bit. So that was a disappointment. Um, 
you know, the field position all game I thought was really favorable, which says a lot about our special teams and our defense getting stops and getting us the ball in, in um, you know, shorter fields. You know, there's there's just a lot to clean up still, you know, similar to coming after the Lions game with a win. You feel great about the win, but you also feel like, um, you know, there's a lot that you leave out there, and, and we've got to uh, we've got to get better. I've got to get better. So uh, that's kind of where our focus is, but um, it's tremendous to be 3-1. and one and That's the team I can't figure out, Wolf, the Vikings, because you have Justin Jefferson, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Adam Thielen. I mean, you have other good players, and yet they never seem to be able to put it all together. But they are 3-1, and one, but they were playing the Saints without the Saints starting quarterback or Alvin Kamara. So it's like, is Minnesota actually good, or are they just, are they that league average yeah, team? Yeah, you know what, honestly, I, I don't know the answer to your question, Luke. I just know that um, I don't expect much out of the Minnesota Vikings going forward. I think Kirk Cousins is one of these guys, and I've seen it happen from time to time. I think we all have, but he's one of these guys that will post excellent numbers, and I've talked about this in the past. Mm look like a guy that, oh my goodness, you look at him and you think, man, he had a good year and yet for whatever reason he doesn't seem to win a lot of games and doesn't win important games, I think more important. That I have figured out. If they're and playing in prime time, just Minnesota's yeah, losing. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird situation, so I think he's got a lot he's got to overcome. Very much like Matthew Stafford and the way Stafford overcame a lot last year. Uh, Atlanta over Cleveland. The Falcons running wild over 200 rushing yards somehow Atlanta is two and two and just for Maloney here's Marcus Mariota it's awesome to see really um, our defense has continued to make big plays uh, in, in pivotal moments um, we as an offense that, that excites us because we understand that if we can get down there and, and take a lead in the fourth quarter our guys have the opportunity to close it out um, but credit to our defense you know they kept us in it really and uh, gave us an opportunity at the end to win you know what's even more incredible is just the fact that the Cleveland Browns are as competitive as they are right now. Yeah, I yeah. I mean you should be able to beat Atlanta though, shouldn't you? Um I guess two and two is about where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you know what? I, I mean, honestly for me right lost now lost to Atlanta and the Jets. Um yeah, just the Cleveland Browns. I just thought they were gonna be 0-4 at this point in time. Uh, there were 379 rushing yards in that game. Well, th- this is the game you should have been watching on Sunday. 379 rushing yards between the two teams. And not one player was really, I mean, Nick Chubb, 118, as he typically is. But that, it's not like anybody else was was all that amazing in that one. Uh, how about in Dallas? Cooper Rush, Wolf, remains undefeated as they beat the Commanders 25-10. to Here's Cooper Rush afterward. Actually, no, this is Jerry Jones afterwards. I just can't say enough about how his play uh, has, uh, what it possibly has done for this team this season, and to give us a chance to sit here after these last three ball games and uh, maybe have the opportunity we've got uh, for the rest of the year. It's amazing, and uh, uh, it's, it's far more than I could have ever expected. I could not have seen this coming either, and yet Cooper Rush is playing so well, doing a great job actually going out and managing the game, and so much of the time, if you've got a competitive defense the way the Dallas Cowboys do, if you've got um, a rushing attack, if you've got some balance to you, um, a game manager can win you games, and sometimes take you to a Super Bowl, and maybe even win a 
Super Bowl. You realize we've seen that before. We Isn't have that right, Trent Dilfer. The NFC East is a combined eleven and five through the first four weeks of the season. How is? I mean, and I know a lot of that. Like Dallas is two and zero in the division. I get it, but um, I mean Philadelphia being four and zero, maybe that's not a fluke. But Dallas and the Giants. Dallas without Dak for the three wins, and the Giants. Didn't even have a quarterback at the end of the game against yeah. the Bears the other day. Yeah. And they still won that game. Yeah, you know, right now the Philadelphia Eagles, you mentioned the Eagles, you brought it up right there. Man, they look really, really good, Basinonians. I've been watching them a little bit of tape right now, and not only that, but this is um, this is a dangerous team. You were on this team from the very beginning, the Philadelphia Eagles, and I have to tell you, I was dragging my feet because of Jalen Hurts. I'm not dragging them anymore. Yeah, do I get anything if I had all seven NFC playoff teams right? No. Okay, cool. Well, uh, just to recap, I had the Eagles. I had the Cardinals. Okay. So the you Cardinals. Know I knew I was going to hear it. Uh, no, but, I mean, they're all obviously in play because I had three NFC West teams, and they're all 2-2, two and two, and then Tampa and Green Bay. So Minnesota's going to be the team that potentially ruins that for me. I'll tell you where I was not right, Wolf, as I thought Jacksonville was going to pull the upset over the Eagles on Sunday. They did not. Here is Nick Sirianni. We've talked about adversity, right? Have we faced a lot of adversity? Not really, right? In three games, we probably haven't. We had a battle up there. In, uh, in Detroit, but we've, have we faced a lot of adversity? Not really, and so it was a great, great opportunity to say, hey, we've, we've, we've talked about this, we've discussed this, you guys are built, you, you players here, your reason you're here is because you're built to be able to handle adversity. Wouldn't it be nice if the Cardinals made the Eagles face some adversity on Sunday? Yeah. Jump out to that 14 nothing lead Jacksonville had, but then don't, tump, uh, don't fumble four times like Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah, you know what's so interesting about that, too? It'd be great to have a lead if you were the Cardinals because then you could stay balanced and run the ball and running the ball is going to be key. A little foreshadowing as this week unfolds against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the one area that I question about their defense because their pass defense everything other than stopping the they look really really good. I mean dangerous good. Mention the Giants. They really did finish that game against the Bears without a quarterback. Saquon Barkley was just taking the ball in wildcat formations because they didn't have Daniel Jones. They were down their second-string quarterback as well, and they still beat the Bears 20-12, to Wolf. So the Giants, that's got to be the biggest surprise through the first quarter of the season is the Giants being 3-1 and one, because they haven't even looked good in any of their three wins. Yeah, you know, it just re- it reminds me, though, that once again, Saquon Barkley is having an excellent season. He has looked good, yeah. He's looked really, really good. And it just reminds me that if you can play the game of football in a physical way on the line of scrimmage, I know everyone out there, you're listening to me right now, I know I'm 59 years old, yet at the same time, just watch what is happening. Teams that can still run the ball control the line of scrimmage, and if you control the line of scrimmage, you got a chance of winning a game. Daniel Jones got hurt. Tyrod Taylor got hurt. They were legitimately just running the ball to end the game, and they still beat the Bears 20-12, to but 
to get to 3-1, and one, the Giants have a one-point win over Tennessee, a three-point win over Carolina, and an eight-point win over the Bears. And they haven't scored more than 21 points in a game all season. And they're 3-1. and one. And honestly, you watch that team, I don't even know how they ever got to 21 points, and yep. yet they are 3-1. and one. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, how could the Cardinals get Eno Benjamin and Darrell Williams more involved as this season goes on? They certainly look like they are earning more playing time. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is James Conner, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The challenges that he went through in college and coming into the league, man, he has, like, unstoppable heart. Gives to Conner up the middle. He's got a crease at the 35 of the 40. Stiff arms, breaks a tackle at the 50. Near side, 45-40. Shoves the defender to the ground. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I bring to the table. I'm going to get to another pro, but I'm going to continue to score touchdowns. I'm going to do all of that and bring this mindset to a team. The mentality to me is kind of what sets him apart. I start waking them boys up. D, do what you do. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, Wolf, one of the reasons that the Cardinals were able to get going offensively a little bit in the second half of the game against Carolina was the running game. And one of the, the, the reasons they've had success on the ground this season has been Eno Benjamin. Really, you got to throw Daryl Williams in there, too. Uh, I don't look at it as a get James Conner off the field sort of thing. It's not that at all. But I think you're going to have to find ways to get Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams more touches. They have a combined 35 carries this season for about 200 yards, whereas uh, Connor has 45 for 145. Now, again, Connor's stats, you have him in there for short yardage. Yeah. And, and, but the point is you've got a second and a third running back that probably are warranting more touches over the course of these games. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that right now. It's interesting because just watching the tape, Eno Benjamin sticks out like a sore thumb when you watch the tape and what he did against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, One of the things I think is cool is Kyler Murray... Kyler Murray, for the most part, has got to trust you before he throws the ball your way. That's fair. And, um, yeah, you know, he's not alone in that category for the most part. There are many quarterbacks that refuse to look at me while I was playing. Okay, I'm just, <laughs> just telling you. It's one of the reasons why I only had 23 receptions well, in 10 years. Aaron Rodgers will do it. He'll throw you one, and then if you drop it, you're not getting the ball again for four weeks. But he's got a lot of trust in Eno Benjamin and gets him the ball. Eno made a couple of plays and moved the chains and also on some running plays as well. He looked he looked as good as I've seen Eno Benjamin look since he has come into the league and ran the ball with a confidence and an authority that uh, belies his weight and his height. He's not a huge guy, as we all know, yet he ran it like he was. Yeah, we uh, we had Craig Grillo on earlier in the show, and he he brought this up, and, and it's 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 been a story. I mean, Eno was in the doghouse, for lack of a better term, and the reason there's lack of a better term is because that's what everybody on the Cardinals was saying for a couple years, remember? Who do we have? It was it Beecham? I think it was Beecham in the office when we were out of camp. Because yeah. remember, we brought it up to Eno, and he's yeah. like, "Well, I don't know about that doghouse, but I'm glad I'm not in it." Right. But he is. I mean, he's a huge part of this team now. This is not a oh, well, he went to ASU and he's on the roster, and isn't that cool? Like he's a major part of this team. Aside from when he's kicking and tackling, here's Cliff uh, on with us yesterday talking about Eno. 
I've said it a bunch, just um, kind of my view on him, his rookie year and, and where it is today. Uh, it's just been an incredible transformation. The work ethic, how he practices, the joy with which he comes in the building and works and studies. and um, It's been awesome and, and uh, couldn't be more proud and, and happy that he's on our team. And he, He's a tremendous player and, and uh, a great teammate. and it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a great ride with him so far. It really does, Wolf. It looks like he, even now... when. I, I mean, he's making it. I wouldn't say he's made it, but he's making it, right? I mean, he's been in the league now for a couple of years, and he's actually playing in these games. Even now, every time he is on the field, he looks like he's trying to make the team, which is, he's got the talent. Yeah. But to, to continue to play that way, and that, yeah, I mean, you've talked to him too. I, I don't think he's wired as somebody that's going to be like, okay, I'm here, I can just coast now. Like, I, It seems like this is always going to be his mentality. No, you know what, it's got to be his mentality as well. And it's not just Eno Benjamin, it, it's Daryl Williams, man. I want to see more of Daryl Williams in particular. Uh, Eno, I love Eno. Uh, don't get me wrong on that. Especially in third and obvious pass situations. He does run the tackle zone very, very well. And the Arizona Cardinals actually ran the tackle zone, ran the play base the stretch play that so many other teams actually Wolf's Playbook for Dummies. Tackle Zone. Also known as the stretch play, offensive linemen working in unison to get a hat on a hat play side while setting a wall backside. <laughs> Slam it, Mel. I don't know why I didn't expect it that time, but I, I actually jumped that time. You know, remember that, though. Justin Pugh told us that, um, you know, Benjamin actually runs that play better than any other mm-hmm. back on the roster. And yet Daryl Williams, to me, is a guy that is more attack the A gaps and the B gaps, man. North-South. Um, James Conner is there every down back. There's no doubt about it. He's out there in third and obvious pass situations. He's out there in first and ten rundown. He's out there. But, man, he needs a break and he yeah, needs well, a blow. And you got to keep him healthy. And it's a 17-game season. That's that's where I was going with that. When they first brought Conner in last year, and I think everybody sort of underrated the value that he could have. But wasn't he kind of brought in last year to be part of a committee with yes. Chase Edmonds? Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm not saying you just you go away from James Conner because of anything he has done. I'm not saying that. But what Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams are affording you the option to potentially do is lighten James Conner's workload if you're worried about that because he plays a pretty brutal style of football. It's not like, okay, we got to give Conner a break. What are we going to do? You've got two other guys that, that look just as, if not more, capable than him right now. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is competition competition in the running back room competition for reps competition for touches in a game these guys are some of the most competitive dudes you're ever going to find that's why i love that hey james you know yeah we we paid you a lot of money there's no doubt about that and we we think you're you're all that in a bag of chips but guess what we need to keep you fresh and also this guy over here he, he needs to play. He deserves to play. And they've got three guys. I was talking about, you know, this situation to Cliff off the air, as a matter of fact, talking to Cliff about it, man. He's, it, it's a situation. they got to find Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams more reps somehow, some way. 
Uh, here's more from Cliff when he was on with us yesterday about the backfield. There's no doubt, and you saw yesterday we were able to utilize them um, early in the game, and then James is a great closer, and, and the last drive was a, a great um, look at that. That team knew we had to run it. That's a very good defense and defensive line and linebackers, and mm-hmm. we were able to get a couple first downs and close it out, and, and so he, he'll be able to stay fresh, and um, when the money's on the table, uh, I like what we have in the backfield. I think he just hit it right there, which is good since he's the coach of the team, so <laughs> it would make sense that, that he's good. But that really, that's it, Wolf, right? Because you have James Conner, who's basically a battering ram. And if you can get into the second half of the game and James Conner's relatively fresh and the defense is all just beat up, I mean, I think towards the end of that Raiders game, when the Raiders' defense had been out there for like a half hour straight, I'm sure the last thing you want to do when you've been out on the field that much is then tackle James Conner, who's totally fresh because Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin have been splitting half his carries in the first half of the game or whatever. You You have options now, and that's encouraging to hear Cliff say it like that because James Conner is a closer. We saw that last year when they were on a run, and now you're in a better position to have him fresh in the third or fourth quarter. That's kind of what makes Derrick Henry so tough because he's just naturally fresh in the third and fourth quarter because he's not human. But James Conner can be that way because of Eno Benjamin and and Daryl Williams. Again, by the way, too, honestly, right now, I think the battering ram in that running back room is Daryl Williams. He got a little jiggle in the wiggle. I'm not going to break with you saying jiggle in the wiggle and us not even acknowledging it. You just said it. Yeah, that's true. All right. When we come back, the D-backs bullpen blew the game last night, and then they did it again later in the same game. What else do they need to work on this offseason besides just the bullpen? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Two games left for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Wolf, and this could really determine a lot for you and I. I'd forgotten about this. You brought this up uh, during one of the breaks. Okay, so... Preseason. Yeah. The D-backs over or under win total was 66 in Vegas. 66. Which seemed low, partially because to, to have the season they had last year, they lost 45 out of 50 at one point. Okay, so 66. So you and I both said, they're going to win more than 66 games. They'll definitely win more than 66. Yeah. And what was the number you said? I said 75. Okay. And the number I said was 74. 74. See, I was more positive than you were. You were. And with two games to go, they have 73. <laughs> Luke, you, I mean, honestly, just stop and think about the odds of that. How crazy that is. Yeah. You pick 74, I pick 75. And they're at 73. They're alive. And well, both of those. We should have played Mega Millions or something. That's true. They might just not win again. That is amazing. (laughs) Now, if they had a bullpen. They'd be at like 90 wins right now, and we would have both been considered too uh, pessimistic about the team. Maybe 90 is a little bit high, but they'd be I, well into the 80s. Honestly, right now, I, I, this, there's a real possibility they could have got into the playoffs. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable when you think about that. Because as optimistic as you and I both were relatively with this team, yeah. neither one of us even remotely thought playoffs. No way. But let's say, and the bullpen numbers are so bad at this point, they they blew a lead in the ninth last night, they blew another lead in extra innings and lost. So basically, two two blown games by the bullpen in one game last Again. night. Again. Um, 
when you look at the numbers, and it's not for a while it was just Mark Melanson, and then it was just Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy. Now it's just nobody. Nobody can close a game. But if they just like closed half of these games, you figure they'd have ten more wins, maybe a dozen more wins. They'd be like two, three games out of a playoff spot, and then who knows. So the big picture with that, though, Wolf, is when you look ahead to next year, obviously the bullpen's going to be a priority this offseason. To be fair to the D-backs, they made bullpen a priority last offseason and went out and got an all-star, Mark Melanson, coming off a great year. Yes. And he has not been that here. Um, But anything else you look at with this team and you're like, they have to fix this, too. Because for the most part, I'd like the direction this, this team is going. I know it sounds crazy to say when you're 14 games below 500. No, you know what? You're right about that, Luke, honestly. But do you think it's that simple? Is it really that simple? Just fix the bullpen going forward. It'd be nice. Um, it's a good place to start, isn't it? It's definitely where you I know, would I mean, start. Thinking, right now, you, okay, Zach Allen, of course, he's arbitration eligible. Hold on to your butt right there. Something's going to happen there, right? At some point. If I was an arbitration judge, I would say Zach Allen gets um, whatever he wants. Right, right. And deal with it. Okay, Merrill Kelly, of course. Um, those two guys, studs. Andre Jameson is a guy that I think we'd all agree has got a future, and I expect him to be in the rotation next year. Yeah, he right? really looks better than I thought he would this quickly. There's, there's no. I, I also think Tommy Henry is a guy that I think has a shot, a bona fide shot of being in the rotation next year. The thing with with um with Jameson too is. You know, we brought it up with him when he was on the show of, okay, but I mean, your numbers in Reno, your ERA was up around seven. And now you come here and you can't give up a run. And we brought it up with Hazen, too. Yeah. And they both said similarly, like, okay, Hazen even said, when we evaluate our pitchers, we know the numbers are probably a little inflated in Reno. Uh, and, and that's obviously true. But man, a near seven ERA to what he is doing in the majors against good yes, teams. I know. <laughs> it's incredible. But again, I think you look at the rotation, you gotta feel pretty good about the rotation and where you are with a rotation. And then you you start talking about the young guys on this team, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. Everybody has for the most part, but these young guys are gonna be up here and they're gonna be everyday players, man, next year. What kind of impact? Is that truly going to have the confidence that they can gain from this season? And what happened? The Corbin Carroll confidence. Oh, that's kind of cool. Corbin Carroll Carroll confidence confidence. going forward, right? I mean, Dalton Varsho, you want to talk about breakout, breakout, a breakout season, are you? Jake McCarthy, Um, Stone Garrett. You bad, bad man. Kind of actually hit a, a, a wall, I think, a little bit here. A little bit. I think after, after he talked to you, I think, as no, a matter of fact. In fact, he specifically said it was no, Wolf. No. Wolf got in his head. He actually hit a wall, I think. But, man, you think of the I mean, what kind guys. of wall? He's still up around 300, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's uh, two, He's under 290 right now, okay. I believe. Well, then, yeah, uh, check that. That, that was definitely our please? interview then. That, that um, I think it's 288, or am I correct on yes. that? Yes. How do you know uh, Stone Garrett's batting average? stuff. It just ding for whatever reason. I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. But man, Stone Garrett okay. and his batting average. First of all, I don't dispute you that you can't remember what you had for dinner last night. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. I can remember what I didn't have for breakfast this morning because they opened four hours late. His wall that he hit 
was going 0-5 for 5 in one game against the Giants. That yeah. dropped his average from 309 to 288. Okay, there you go right there. He hasn't had a ton of at-bats. No. Okay, um, that much I do know. But do I think he's got a future? I do. I think he does. And yet, right now, all these young guys, if you can sprinkle in some pros around them the way that they did this year, um, I feel really, really good about the Diamondbacks going forward, but you got to fix that bullpen. Well, I was trying to do some of the math, and, and it's an inexact science on the fly like this, but just going through and totaling up losses that were actual decisions, that were losses that were attributed to the bullpen this season, and I'm looking through, okay, Mark Melanson has 10. And this is not even accounting for games where the bullpen melted down, but then ended up winning later, right? These are just actual, like somebody in the bullpen got tagged with an official loss. Right. Melanson has 10. Ian Kennedy has, uh, he has seven. Joe Mantiply now has five. Noe Ramirez has four. Uh, Caleb Smith has three. He had one start this year, but he has three losses, mostly out of the bullpen. Sean Poppin has a couple. Uh, Maronta has a couple. Middleton has a couple. I mean, we're up into the mid-30s of losses attributed to the bullpen. We're at at least 35. There's 36. There's 37. I'm just counting down this list. We're looking at, like, close to 40 losses. incredible. Attributed to guys in the bullpen. It's incredible, honestly. Do you go into the offseason saying, no, that's the only thing we need to fix? Because we expect these young guys to come up. And this is going to be... Man, I, we talk about it over and over and over again. And by the way, Sean Poppin, can you imagine if his first name was what? Uh, that that uh, just would have been awesome. We're really missing an opportunity uh, every time he pitches <laughs> to have D.A. introduce him on the, on the Jumbotron. Um, but, you know, honestly, you, you're, you're looking at a really young team next year, Luke. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to see these guys as your everyday players? Yes. You see these guys out All there. Right. Was popping, was popping. From the, from the very <laughs> after every out that from the very Chase. beginning, coming out of spring training. Let's go, man! I, it's gonna. I, I'm I'm wildly excited as you are. I know, and so many other Diamondback fans. I think just fans of baseball but, here to watch this team coming out of spring training. Game one. You asked the question there, though, of of all is is all you do this off season address the bullpen, and I'm sure there's probably a, a few little things you could do, but as far as significance, it's got to be the bullpen, and I don't know that. There's a fine line to walk here, right? Like, you don't want to start going out and investing a ton of money in a second baseman or whatever, whatever you feel like they're going to ultimately need, because you want to have the money to sign these guys and keep these guys big, long-term. long, long term. Like you said, Zach Allen's up for arbitration this this offseason, and he's the most important. But these other guys, when Corbin Carroll, I know we're, we're years away from that, and these other guys as well, but this is the core you want to keep together. But you can't, you can't keep having seasons like this where these guys are developing and they're playing better and they're getting you a lead, and hey, we're up 4-1 going into the ninth, oh, we're going to lose. Okay, fine, we'll, we'll get you that lead back in extra innings, so we're going to lose that too. Like a, a bad bullpen is the most demoralizing thing in sports, honestly. No doubt. No it doubt. It kills man. you when you're up. Yeah, no. The, I, I've said that many, many times. The bullpen and having a bad bullpen is like being a defense that cannot stop the run in the game of football. You just get demoralized, run over. There's nothing more demoralizing for a football team, for an offense to line up and run the ball, especially in between the tackles in a north-south way, and gash you for five yards every time they do it. 
it it it, it just demoralizes you. Same thing with with a bullpen. Yeah, it's it is it is the worst because especially we're seeing these games where it's not like the D-backs are going into the 8th and ninth inning and, hey, it's tied. No, the bullpen can't get it done. You're going into the 8th and ninth inning, extra innings with leads in losing. And as a young team, that's even... It's not as damaging because it's like keeping them from winning a World Series right now, but it's damaging in the sense of like you're putting everything together to win and you're not actually getting the reward of the win because your bullpen can't get anybody out. And it's getting worse, by the way, over the course of the season. Not better. All right, we come back we'll take you through the top stories of the day with wolf and down your lunch next it's the wolf and luke show on 98.7 fm arizona sports station